Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy based in New York City. Now, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about how healthcare professionals can learn from the hospitality industry. So my guest today is Dr. Stowe Shoemaker. He served as Dean of the William F. Hara College of Hospitality at the University of Nevada for the last 10 years. He has applied his knowledge of the hospitality industry to healthcare, working with such organizations as University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. His book, Hospitable Healthcare, will be released September 5th, so next week of 2023. So in our conversation today, we, of course, talk about the book, but we also talk about how you can provide an incredible experience that makes customers or your patients feel like family and want to return. That's what we all want as healthcare professionals. So if you are in the healthcare world and you are wondering, hey, how can I get my patients to come back again and again and again? This is the podcast for you. This is the episode for you. A big thank you to Dr. Shoemaker and everyone enjoy today's episode. Hi, Dr. Shoemaker. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on to talk about the intersection of hospitality and healthcare and what we as healthcare providers can learn from people in the hospitality world, such as yourself. So welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you on. Well, it's great to be here. And I'm really, it's an honor to really talk about hospitality and how we can really improve the healthcare experience. So thank you. Well, first, I'd like to start out with a couple of definitions, if you wouldn't mind. So when people hear the word hospitality, I think a lot of uh, definitions or thoughts or words may pop into their head. So what is your definition of hospitality? Well, the way that I think about hospitality, it's really, you know, if we think about the hospitality industry, we think about, you know, hotels, restaurants. But if we think about hospitality, we're really talking about what are the things that an organization does that makes a customer feel like a family member, that makes them feel like they've had great experience. And so for me, hospitality is really about providing an incredible experience so people go, wow, that was worth the money. I want to go back. I want to tell my friends about it. So that's hospitality to me and the hospitality industry is when we focus on the hotel side, the restaurant side, cruise mm-hmm. ship, airlines, et cetera. Right. And I think a lot of people may think to themselves, well, what does being a hotel have to do with being a hospital or being a clinic or a healthcare provider? And we're going to get to all of that. We'll unwrap all of that throughout the podcast. But let's start with uh, what are some of the critical drivers that create a good customer experience. And by the way, that word customer experience is being 
uh, utilized a lot in the physical therapy world. So this is like perfect timing for this podcast. So what are those critical drivers? So I'm, good, I'm glad you asked that question. So my background um, is all hospitality, as, as you know, you, as you've read, and my co-authors also came from hospitality. But both of us have spent many years doing research and working in healthcare, also. And so what we realized was that, you know, the hospitality industry did not start out being providing great experiences, but over time they learned how to provide great experiences. And we believe that the principles that drive a great experience in, in, in hospitality really are the same principles that can drive a healthcare experience. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's some critical similarities between healthcare and hospitality. The first is that both of them are intangible. You never really know whether you're getting good service or not, because it's hard to tell. Right. So Mm -hmm. we tend to use cues to determine. So if we go into a restaurant and we see, you know, linen tablecloths and lots of wine glasses, we go, oh, this must be an expensive place. Right. If we're in a healthcare facility and we're in a cancer treatment center and we're getting a warm blanket, we go, oh, they must be really good. Even though on the clinical side, we really have no idea. So it's intangible. The second thing that happens is we don't get to kick the tires before we buy it. We have simultaneous production and consumption. We buy it as we consume consume it. Um, and so that means, you know, we're really taking a risk. The third thing that happens um, is that um, we, um, it's, if we don't have this buy the service today, we can't sell it tomorrow. Right. So from a revenue point of view, if you're in a, you know, doing physical therapy for every hour, you don't have a patient. That's an hour of revenue you've lost. You'll never mm-hmm. get that. Back. Okay. And so those things really make, make them very similar in terms of, of the experience, how we create that experience. So that's, that's one thing that happens. Um, so that's how we say that they're similar. And what we wanted to do um, you know, we just didn't want to be two people with an opinion, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody has an opinion. Yes. So what we did is we went out and we surveyed um, 1,200 people across the United States, all um, representative of the U.S. in terms of ethnicity and all the demographics and things. And they had to have visited a restaurant. They had to have stayed in a hotel. They had to have visited the doctor's office, visited a walk-in clinic or a hospital. And we basically said, okay, what are the things that are really critical? What is important for a great experience in each of those areas? Okay. And then we asked how well for those attributes, how well each of those, how well each, you know, delivered on that. So did healthcare, how well did it deliver on what was important? How well did hospitality? And so we came up with what we called a sort of a hospitality deficit. Mm-hmm. We kind of came up with five deficits. And and the first thing was, the first ranking was knowing and understanding the cost of the service provided. So in other words, when you, when you go to a hotel or you go to a restaurant, you're pretty sure what you're going to pay before you even buy the service. Mm-hmm. In healthcare, it's always a surprise to what the bill is going to be. Right. So we ask things like, the invoice bill I receive is easy to understand. 
that's important to customers. I know how much I have to pay for the service before I receive it. The invoice bill I receive is consistent with my expectations. Mm-hmm. Huge gap, you know, in hospitality, restaurants and hotels, we know that in advance. Right. And we don't, right? So as you think about, you know, in, in your side, in, as a physical therapist or as a healthcare provider, what can we do to make it easy so people know exactly what they're going to be in advance? The second thing was, the second area that was important was the provider appreciates my business, right? Whenever we leave a hotel, whenever we leave any kind of hospitality service, people will always say, hey, thank you so much for coming. Mm-hmm. Come back. We hope you enjoyed your stay. We hope we took care of you. In in healthcare, that doesn't really happen. And I'd encourage the readers or the listeners to really think about their last healthcare experience and think about some of the things that we're talking about. And did they actually experience that? But were they really thanked for, hey, thank you for coming? Another area that we found is a deficit was um, the reception area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Things like the arrival experience is welcoming. The arrival environment is welcoming. Um, The people I interact with make me feel welcome. And the people I interact with are eager to serve me. Okay. And you think about a traditional healthcare experience, right? You walk in and the first thing you're asked is, where's your, what's your insurance? Yes. Insurance card, please. Yes. And we don't even know the person's there, right? Mm-hmm. But it, you think about it in a hospitality experience. Oh, Dr. Shoemaker, welcome. We've been expecting you, right? We always know when the people are coming in because people have to make appointments. Right. Right. You're and, on the schedule. On the schedule. But in hospitality, we remember that. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, we don't. And also, when you know, one of those attributes that is critical, which we'll talk about in the podcast later, is the environment is welcoming. I was just going to ask about that. So yeah, we'll we'll put a pin in it now and we'll revisit it. Yeah, because that's a critical component. So we have so far we have the you know the three the three deficits were understanding the cost of the service provided, appreciating the customer, and what the reception area is like. Our fourth sort of service deficit we found was what we call service logistics. Things like I can make an appointment, get a reservation when I want one, sort of at my convenience, not at the provider's. And the check-in process is easy, right? Mm-hmm. Is that in, in hospitality, we're very good at that. In the services, not in health services, not in health Yeah. And the final, the final kind of the gap that we found was what we call the service assessment and recovery. Things like it's easy um, to resolve of a dispute. If I have a dispute, it's easy to resolve. Um, the provider tries to make me feel satisfied with the service I receive. The provider resolves any problems I express about my experience quickly. Um, if I express dissatisfaction, I'm unhappy. You know, I can I talk about my service experience, and then the provider asks for feedback about my experience after I visit. 
And in hospitality, we really learned to do that well. Mm-hmm. Not so much. So what we found was essentially, wow, we had these real differences between hospitality and healthcare. So the idea was, okay, well, what are the lessons that we learned in hospitality that we can apply to healthcare? And and so that was the basis of our book. And I'll, I'll use this as a selfish plug. Yes, you know, please. We have yes. this that we wrote. It's called Hospitable Healthcare, just what the patient ordered. It's it's on, available on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. The launch date is officially September 5th, mm-hmm. but it, you can pre-order it, both the hardcover copy and a Kindle version. And what we do is we basically take a look at what health hospitality has done. We trace how hospitality has created a great experience, and then we apply those lessons into healthcare. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. So um, as, as you were naming those five hospitality deficits, I'm like, yes, knowing and understanding the cost, which the now providers are supposed to, there's called the no surprises act in healthcare where providers are supposed to provide you with an estimation of the cost. And if it's over a certain amount, I think you don't have, I, 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 I believe there's some penalties there if it goes over what they say your amount should be. So, um, that's actually a really good thing in my opinion because when i see patients they know exactly how much they're going to pay up front and that's it there are no surprises in that payment um the service logistics so can you make an appointment so i'll just tell a really quick story i was home over the weekend at my parents in pennsylvania they live outside of scranton i was with three of my girlfriends from high school and they were all talking about how hard it is to get an appointment with a physician. Like one friend wanted to make a dermatology appointment for her daughter. She called in March and got an appointment in September. Another friend wanted to get a dermatology appointment for herself. She called two months ago and got one for March of 2024. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. It is insane. Right? So I can understand how that would chip away at your trust. And as yeah. you talk about all of these um, hospitality deficits, in my mind, it all kind of layers around trust in the process and trust in the provider. And we know exactly. if the patients have trust in the provider, they can form a relationship. Oftentimes outcomes are better. Exactly. Right. And, right. And so what we looked at, you know, in our years in hospitality was how do how did hospitality organizations build trust? Mm-hmm. And we know that trust leads to commitment, which leads to loyalty. Right. So what we did is we came up with what we call the payer model. Um, and um, we kind of use that as a, a play on words because, you know, healthcare providers often talk about, you know, payers. Mm-hmm. So our model is, you know, it's P-A-E-E-R. Right. Um, and um, I was just looking to, I have a picture of it in my in my book. Um, but essentially what we said is, okay, well, how can healthcare become like um, 
hospitality. So I don't know if you can see that model. Uh, yes. Okay. So we sort of start with the current state with the end state. And and I'll talk briefly about each of these and give mm-hmm. some examples um, on, on how healthcare can use the payer model to provide great customer experience. And I think it's important for the listener to know that no matter how a person's paying, these can be incorporated, right? Right. So it doesn't matter if you take insurance, you're out of network, you're a cash-based model, doesn't make a difference. All of these principles can apply regardless. Exactly. And and it was very important for us as we wrote this book, because, you know, there's always, if, if there's always, if you have lots of money, you can always get incredible service because you can pay for it. Right. right. But if you don't have money, you should, if you're an insurance base, you still should get the same level of care and the same level of services if you're paying for seasons prices. And when we look at the hospitality industry, you look at brands like Hampton Inn, brands like Best Western, mm-hmm. like, right? They all provide great experiences at a low cost. Similarly to the Four Seasons provide great experiences. Now, what you get is a little different, but the care is all the same. So it's important that when you hear this, you go, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm an insurance-based person. Right. Or this is too expensive. How am I going to apply all of these principles? And I would argue that they're inexpensive to apply. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. So the first first one, and I'm going to put on my glasses. Yeah. The first is, the P is prepare. How do we prepare for the person's visit? In other words, we know when they're coming, right? Let the staff know that so-and-so is coming in. This is what kind of procedures are going to be looking for. So we prepare and we have everything done in advance. And, you know, one of the things that's always makes me crazy when I go to a healthcare provider, I fill out a form and I fill out that same form every time even though I just filled it out maybe a month ago. Or you filled it out online and then you have to fill it out again and it takes so long and you're sitting there. And yes, I, yes, agreed. So having prepared and having all that stuff printed out in advance. So the person says, here's what you filled out. Any changes makes it a lot easier. So yes, knowing when they come in and we say to the guest, oh, Dr. Shoemaker, we were expecting you as compared to typically looking down and going name right. or or doing this wait um you know fiddling around with paperwork and things like that right so the preparation is is the critical part <clears throat> but we the second part the letter is a which is anticipate and when we think about anticipate we have to think about what's the state of mind of the patient or the guest who's coming in right? And how do we make them feel very welcomed, right? And in, you know, because remember when I talked about one of the characteristics of a service is we have simultaneous production and consumption. Mm -hmm. I'm going to a restaurant or staying in a hotel. I'm purchasing that as I'm paying, as I'm, you know, using it. So there's just always a fear of that I buy the right thing, that I buy the Mm -hmm. wrong thing. So hospitality has said, okay, well, how do we make sure that we anticipate that? So when you when you walk into a, a hospitality, the environment, 
whether it's a Four Seasons or whether it's a Motel 6 or a Lakita, the lobby is always clean. It's, it's well organized. It has beautiful colors. There's a sense of welcomingness, right? There's usually music. Um, we posted recently an article on our LinkedIn, which talked about scent, how hotels each have mm-hmm. scents. You know, if you've stayed at a um, one of the Hilton properties that had the place smelling like chocolate chip cookies because they gave out chocolate chip cookies, right? And so we anticipate by we create an environment that is wel- welcoming, right? And typically when we see in, in healthcare, we see gray walls, we see uncomfortable chairs, mm-hmm. we see really old. We usually see HTTV, you know, on the walls, but there's nothing welcoming about the experience. Usually the person sitting behind glass, right? So yep. the person feel very uncomfortable. So the anticipation is a lot about put yourself in your patient's frame of mind and how do we create an environment that welcomes them whether it's this music it's the scent it's the colors Mm -hmm. and in our book we do quite a bit about environmental psychology yeah and i would also say that when people are going and this is not across the board but by and large when people are going to a restaurant or to a hotel, oftentimes they're excited to be there. They're on vacation. They're trying new restaurant. They can't wait. When you go to see a healthcare provider, oftentimes, certainly when people come to see a physical therapist, they might be in pain. They're anxious. They feel vulnerable. So to walk into a space that's like totally sterile with like nothing on the walls and uncomfortable furniture, can that heighten those feelings that they already have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I did when I was, I had a joint appointment at MD Anderson cancer. Mm-hmm. The things we did is we, you know, after doing a lot of research, we really looked at how do we re- redesign the patient waiting area. And we, we totally changed it around in terms of the colors, the layout, the furniture, we made it very much like a hospitality lobby waiting area. Mm. Satisfaction scores went up. So what's what's your recommendation for good colors? Because people always, I, I, you know, they want to know, I mean, obviously you're not going to paint something black. You're not going to have black walls when people come in. But what would be a good color if, if we've got healthcare providers listening now that, like you said, it doesn't have to be expensive. You can get some paint and put it on your walls. Right. So it's very interesting that you asked that question. And I don't know, you can't probably. Yeah, I can see the color guide. This is the color guide uh-huh. that we, in the book. Mm-hmm. It basically says like, so red, if you see red, it's about energy, it's confidence, it's bold. Yellow is about optimism energetic so you you know you go to a lot of restaurants and they're yellow in the morning right the restaurants are yellow because that's energetic mm. you, um, green tends to be sensitive you know caring respect blue is you know trust um, pink is you know respect care purple is kind of distinguished you know creativity um, and so those kind of colors 
and they have to match the furniture and all that. Mm -hmm. But it's, and in the book, you know, as I said, we we have some pictures of some different lobbies, and we talked a lot about this. And in in the in kind of in the hospitality industry and in the academic area, we call about this is all related to the service scape. How does the environment make us feel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I think these are all great. Uh great hints for for people with brick and mortar uh clinics and things like that this is great and then um you know the for engage which is now so we've done p which is prepare mm -hmm. a is anticipate the first e is engage how do we engage the patient or the customer when they come in right and that is in terms of how do we greet them how do we you know do we call them by name and one of the examples we use in the book um, comes from um, a friend of mine named Ed Mady, who was the general manager, the regional director for the Dorchester Collection, which is a very high-end hotel. Mm -hmm. He's working um, with Rich Carlton. And he, he always had with his staff 14 keywords. Remember me, recognize me, anticipate my needs, Give me what I want on time. And so his employees just said that was the 14 words that they would use every time they ran into a, a customer. You know, Rich Carlton um, kind of had their six feet rule, right? Which basically was, um, you know, when as the person gets closer, you first acknowledge, you nod, you give eye contact. Um, it was actually the 10-5 rule. Um, and it says, when 10 feet away, make eye contact, and within five feet, say hello. So Interesting. Those of engage. What we did when I worked with MD Anderson was we came up with what we called um, the Anderson Care Model. And again, it was a way, so we had Anderson Care where um, each letter represented something. So if you think of Anderson, mm -hmm. A was, N was nod, D was delight, E was eye contact, R was recognize, S was smile, O was orient, you know, help the person find their way around, N was nurture, and then the care part was compassion, assurance, R was respect, and E was engaged. And what we did is we put that behind all in all the staff areas so that the staff would say, okay, I'm giving Anderson care. And they would just try to we get them to any focus on any one of those. And that engagement then took them out of the medical record ID. Why mm -hmm. are you just really engaging them? Yeah, I feel like I've read the Cleveland Clinic has a similar thing. And it's everyone from the CEO to the physician, to the nurses, to administrative staff, to janitorial staff, everybody follows it. Yes. And and we talk about the Cleveland Clinic in, in the book mm -hmm. as a prime example of someone who really, really embraced the whole patient experience. And actually it was very interesting. That all came about because the president of, of Cleveland Clinic gave a talk at Harvard University. This is how the story goes. Mm -hmm. One of the people said, 
um, one of the, the students said, you know, my father went to the Cleveland Clinic and even though your doctors are great, he was never going to go there um, because you have no empathy. Oh, you, wow. He did is they had a top surgeon who supposedly was, you know, a credible surgeon, but just had no empathy. Mm-hmm. And they fired him. And they said they fired him because he had no empathy and he wasn't giving what the customer really wanted. Now, mm-hmm. story of how it came about. But the, the most important part is that providing a great customer service and experience, it's the whole culture. And how do you build that culture around that? Right, right. right. So the, the lowest level employee all the way up to the skilled surgeon. Mm-hmm. And we believe that we believe in the book that if it, even if whatever your job is, if you kind of follow this payer model, you're going to create a great experience. Yeah. Okay. So we've got P, prepare, A, anticipate, first E, engage. What's the second E? Second is to evaluate. Evaluate. We all go to a restaurant, we go to a hotel, we go on the airline, and we immediately get a survey back asking, how was your experience? Mm-hmm. Right. Or... um and a lot of hospitality companies go on, you know, people, the employees go online and they write comments and the hospitality firms go out and they scoop up all this data on the internet and to find out what people are saying. So what we need to do is we have to give our guests or our patients the opportunity to evaluate their service, right? What did they, what did, how well did we do in serving you? Mm-hmm. Oh, and a lot of times we, we haven't done that very well. We kind of give them the bill and they leave, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the critical issues is you, and, and this is something that makes my, my wife crazy. She'll go in for her yearly, you know, breast exam mm-hmm. and she'll leave. And there's, a, you know, there's nervousness about all that. And then they won't hear from anything for like a week or two weeks. Right. So there's no kind of follow-up like, gee, how was everything, right? Right. And evaluation. So you never get a chance to express how you feel. And what we argue is you really need to evaluate and ask people for their opinions and, and give them opportunities to really talk about it and, and to really show that you're listening, right? And and then to fix if there are service failures, to fix those. So the evaluation right. be- Right, right. That evaluation part, just like if you are a healthcare provider, is so important because I feel it gives you some metrics for how your business is running, right? Because if you don't evaluate it, you'll never know. If you don't have the data, what are you supposed to do? Guess? And we have we have a really great example in the book. It's um which we basically ask one question. Um we call it the the problem impact tree. And the question is, did you have a problem? Or I, you know, I had no problem in my stay. You had to cir- you circle one of the four answers. Mm-hmm. I had a problem and I told someone about it. I told someone about my problem and it was resolved in a friendly manner. I told someone about my problem and it wasn't resolved in a friendly manner. And then you can draw an impact tree and you can see what percentage of the people had a problem, what percent didn't have a problem, of those people who had a problem, 
how many reported it, and of those reported it, how well was it taken? Mm. How well did we recover? And you can use that, then you can compare all those data with overall satisfaction, overall likelihood to visit, and you can reach to see is, well, people are having problems, but they're not complaining. So how do we get people to complain? Right, right. About, you know, it's not my, it's a book I read a long time ago was called A Complaint is a Gift, right? Because it tells us what we're not getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so so evaluation becomes critical because it allows it shows that we respect our guest enough that we want to hear what they like and what they didn't like about the service. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, yeah. Because if you don't know, you can't improve, right? Exactly. Okay. So what's the R? We're on the last letter of the payer method. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. Can you say that again? You- mm-hmm. Re- Say it one more time. Reward. Perfect. Re- yes, I probably said it too fast. Reward the patient or reward the customer. And when you think about reward, we're talking about loyalty and loyalty programs, right? And people say, oh, well, why would you have loyalty programs in healthcare? Mm-hmm. But think about it. If you're for physical therapy, Right. It only works if a person comes. Right. Right. Communication only works if a person takes them. Right. Being healthy and leading a healthy lifestyle only helps if people actually do it. Right. So how do you reward behavior um, to, to do the things that are right for the healthcare provider? Right. And so in the book, we talk a lot about loyalty. We give an example of some research I did um, for a company called ShareCare. Um, And they actually have a subsidiary called WeCare, um, where basically what they've done is they've created kind of travel accounts. So if we all have health savings accounts, but Mm -hmm. they have called travel savings account. So if I do all the things I'm supposed to do to lead a healthy lifestyle, I earn points and I can turn those points into travel, right? And so what we found in this research is that people are motivated by loyalty. Mm-hmm. They do rewards. And so as we think about healthcare, getting people to it to, to do the behaviors they need to do to be healthy right? Rewarding them and giving them points or miles or something. It's an incentive. Yeah. Everything runs on incentives, right? Like I, I have a a lot of Marriott Bonvoy points. So whenever I go to a city, I always look for the Marriott, a, a Marriott hotel first, because I know like, oh, this is where my points are. So that that's the loyalty part of it. And, and so we, you know, we reward and then all of this, and then we talk about in the book how you can actually show the value of the reward program in terms of additional revenue that you wouldn't have had if you didn't have a, a loyalty program. So it's really rewarding the behavior. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's so important, and um, so my wife, Dr. Martha Shoemaker, um, did her PhD at Texas A&M, and she worked with me on the 
MD Anderson study. And she's a qualitative research person. And what she really found, which has really led to everything we've been doing, was that how, you know, the whole question is, well, how do people want to be called? Do they want to be called patients? They want to be called customers. And, and what Dr. Shoemaker, my wife, found was that they want to be tr- called and treated like loved family members. Mm. Right? So we believe that if you follow the payer model, your guests will feel like loved family members when they come visit you. And when you think about going to a restaurant that you always go to, it's the cheers effect, right? And and that's in hospitals, it's the love family member. And all the research we did with MD Anderson, you know, from a statistical point of view, our dependent variable was, how did this make me feel like a love family member? And I did this research a while ago, and people today still at Anderson, when they write their comments, they say, I felt like a love family member. So it's something that really stuck. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the payer model. And again, in the book, we go through and detail each of these. We, we have examples where we talk to hospitality executives, but we also talk to healthcare executives. And we give a nice rounded approach to really what we believe allows people to make people feel like love family members and provide a great customer experience. Amazing. And I, I just have one question as you're uh, talking about the payer model and how hospitality principles can be infused into healthcare. I'm also wondering, does this help retain employees? Because I'm hearing culture, right? So you're you're changing the culture. You're having a culture where people feel like they belong, they're loved. And so have you found maybe at MD Anderson or or at other uh, healthcare facilities that when you follow these principles, does it also help to keep your employees happy and your employees present? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, in some other research I've done, I talk about the loyalty circle and, um, and I should, we should, we use the loyalty circle for loyalty for customers but also for employees and the payer model. If you think about it, a new employee, how do we prepare for the new employee's visit, right? How do we anticipate what they're going to be thinking about? How do we engage them on a regular basis so they feel important? How do we evaluate whether they're happy, they're unhappy, what are they doing well, what aren't they doing well? How do we reward their loyalty? And Mm so everything we talk about in the book, if you take away patient and put an employee, it's the same, it's the same approach. The same principles. Well, that's great. Um, this was, I, I love this conversation. Um, and I've just been taking copious notes here. So if you're w- listening to the podcast, you'll have to go to the YouTube uh, channel to see all of the things that we've been showing here on screen. But as we wrap things up, what do you want the listeners to take away from this conversation? If they can take away one or two things. The thing I would like everyone to take away is that we can provide incredible customer experience. We can make our patients feel like loved family members at a cost that really doesn't cost us anything. It's just a way of how we think about things. And we shouldn't think that, oh, giving high level service means we it's just going to cost a lot of money. That's not the case. And and the, the takeaway is if, if you read the book 
and think about each of these steps. It's very logical that you can go through and use all the steps of the payer model and create a great patient experience for your patients. Absolutely. And I'm going to mention the book one more time, Hospitable Healthcare, Just What the Patient Ordered by Dr. Stowe Shoemaker and Dr. Peter Yesowich. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. All right. And you again, you can get that at uh, online at Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, Kindle or hard copy. And we will have a link to all of that in on whatever platform you are listening or watching. Although I think YouTube might be taking away links. But anyway, you can also go to the podcast website at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and click on a link and it will take you straight to the book. And if you're listening to what I'm listening to and you work in healthcare, I think you should probably get the book um, because I, I think it will only help your patients and your bottom line. So Dr. Shoemaker, I have one more question. It's a question that I ask everyone and that's knowing where you are now in your life and career, what advice would you give to maybe your 20-year-old, 20-ish year old self? The advice I would give is that you should follow what you love. And even if people don't think it's important, eventually they will. And the prime example I use are two examples. Was one, I did a paper once on what was called backpropagation, which is really the fundamentals of artificial intelligence. Um, and people said, oh, why would you do, do research in that area? We have statistical programs that can estimate that. And the other example was I wrote a paper on hospitality and healthcare. And people said, well, we're in health hospitality. No one cares about that in healthcare. But I, I said, well, I don't care what people think. I love it and I'm going to follow it. Mm-hmm. And my advice is do what you love. Listen to, you know, your elders, but don't always assume that they're correct. If you see something that's different, it's okay to think differently and build your case and don't be afraid to fail. Great advice. Now, where can people find you specifically or your co-author if they've got questions or? So, so um, we have a, we'll have a website. Um, we do have a website, which we'll give you the link for, which is hospitalityhealthcare.com. But we could, I will also give you um a link to, to my email address um, and people can always write to me and I have lots, you know, as academics, we write lots of articles and I have some lots of articles on, on you know, pricing or loyalty, um, sort of fundamentals of loyalty. So we can send you any kind of articles you're interested in reading. And then we're both on LinkedIn. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll have links to all of that. So Dr. Shoemaker, thank you so much for coming on. This was a really uh, enlightening episode and I appreciate you and appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It was great to be on the podcast and good luck with everything. Thank Thank you. you. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.